0: Heavenly Father, we pray that you will prepare our hearts, not just for that first coming of Jesus, but for the coming of Jesus into our hearts and then his coming again to return to take us to be with him forever. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was telling the adult Bible class this morning that it's always a little bit dangerous to keep rereading the text that you've chosen to preach on. And young Mark, as you prepare to go in the ministry, you're going to probably find this is going to happen to you as well, that the more you read it, the more you actually see in it. In fact, when you've got your entire sermon done, sometimes you can make the mistake of going back and reading it one more time and thinking, I could really change this. I was thinking about that this morning as I read through Luke chapter 1 again, the birth of Jesus foretold that there was a whole lot more there than I had anticipated even sharing with you today. You can see from the screen we start a new message series called um, This Baby Changes Everything, and today we're looking at When the Lord Interrupts. And and really when you look at this reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, we learn a lot of stuff about interruptions. I, I thought about these things this morning. For example, we know that the Lord interrupted Mary's life. I mean, just think about it for a moment. A lot of people think that Mary may have only been like 13, 14, 15 years old when she got married. I mean, imagine a 14-year-old girl finding out that she was pregnant and not the usual way. That's pretty weird. That's an interruption. I, I thought again that we also learned that Mary responded in faith. I I just love her response. I hope you caught it. After hearing that she was going to suddenly be pregnant because it was going to be the Lord was going to overshadow her, whatever that meant, Mary said, I I kidded this morning, I said she kind of responded, okie (laughs) dokie. Well, really what she said was, may it be to me just as you have said, kind of matter of fact. I love that. Another thing we learn is that Mary was willing to endure what was to come. I mean, having a baby, and we certainly have plenty of them in this church over the last year, and those of you that gave birth to them know that it is no easy task. And then understand that this was an unwed mother, so to speak, although she was engaged to Joseph, and chances are they got married before the baby was born. But she endured all of that. Why? It was for the sake of serving the Lord. Mary's response, again, is really classic. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. And I also thought this morning, there's something else you learn about interruptions, is that she was happy about the interruption from the very beginning. Now, after the angel left, and this is not really part of the sermon yet, and it's really not part of our reading but if you continue to read in the Bible, after the angel left her, there's a few verses and suddenly Mary begins to sing. She's as happy as a clam at high tide. This is really great stuff for her. You read verses 47 through 55 of this chapter and she sings what we call the Magnificat. I don't know if you've heard this for a while. i was looking at it again this morning. Let me read it to you. This is, if I could sing it, I'd sing it. I can't remember how it goes. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I mean, this this lady's been blindsided with a pregnancy, and she says, "I'm, I'm happy about it. She says, before he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. She was happy about that interruption. And the last thing I noticed earlier this morning again was that we know that Mary's life purpose, her entire life purpose, was fulfilled because of this interruption. Never, ever again would this 14 or 15-year-old girl's life ever, ever be the same again. From the announcement of that angel all the way to the cross where she stood there and watched her firstborn son die, and then beyond the cross, beyond the grave, her life was never, ever the same again. I'd suggest you that Mary lived her life in order to fulfill what it was the Lord asked of her. Now, with that being said, let's get into the sermon. I just want to tell you, this great stuff in here. i probably figure out more this afternoon when I look at it again. But I know that interruptions are part of our daily lives. Sometimes it's a phone call. You know, you're watching television, the basketball game, football game, is reaching a really exciting point, and the phone rings. And you look at the little thing where it tells you who it is, and you know you got to answer it, even though the ball is on the two, and there's only about three seconds to go in the game. Then another interruption is when this, quote, friend shows up unannounced or you're working hard in your office and somebody is knocking at your door, "Uh, excuse me, do you have a minute? Well, you know that it's never a minute. You know, they're like God, a minute or a day is like a thousand years. You know, we, we have last minute meetings that are called and we live knowing though that we have to adapt to various interruptions. I'd ask you this morning, how do you respond to those kinds of interruptions now some of you will grouse a little bit you'll go oh man and some of you will look at that little screen and see who it is and you'll say i'll call them back later if i remember probably not there are some people you know like when young laura knocks on my door and she says dr you got a minute and i kind of go Okay. (laughs) Or sometimes you kind of go, yeah, sure, come on in. Are you doing anything important? Oh, no. Nothing more important than having you sit here and talk to me. That could be the way you answer that. You know, when you're sitting there all comfy, you finally got the little blanket pulled up on you, you got your good book out, you're settled back in the recliner in the front door, there's a knock. And you look through the peephole, and you see it's a good friend. How do you you respond to that? Maybe you go, oh man, this is great. You open the door and say, I'm so happy you got here. Those are the so-called little interruptions. But what do you do when you got the big interruptions? I'm talking about the loss of a job. How do you handle that? What about a health crisis? You know, the big C. How do you respond to that life interruption which is called the sudden death, the beloved one? How do you respond to those things? There's a way we all handle interruptions in life. And sometimes we don't handle those interruptions very well at all, and sometimes we handle them very well. You know, certainly Mary, man, Mary faces a significant interruption when, the, when somebody said, you're going to be pregnant. I mean, she seemed to have had an amazing amount of inner strength that helped her through this life-changing event. Now, we can and we should learn from her, and I'm going to start out by sharing with you just three things that we can learn about the Lord's interruptions. There's not really much to say about them, but simply that here's the first one. The Lord sometimes allows interruptions. He just allows it to happen. And other times, He actually brings about those interruptions. I think about you know, two and a half years or so ago when Nancy and I were back, we had just built a house and we were very comfortable in another church and lo and behold, we get a phone call, would you be interested in coming to First Lutheran Church in Texarkana, Texas? That's kind of an interruption. Sometimes God allows those and sometimes he sees to it, they actually happen. Here's the second thing I tell you about interruption. No matter who you are, the Lord will interrupt you so that he can use you. You need to remember that. I don't care who you are, whether you're a small child, whether you're an elderly person, God will choose to interrupt you. And when God does, you ought to just say, I wonder what he wants. There's a third thing, and that's that no matter what problems you face in the midst of that interruption, the Lord is with you. I mean, sometimes things happen in your life and you kind of go, this doesn't make any sense. But then again, the Lord says, I'll help you through every problem you ever had. There, there's a fourth thing that you should remember about him, and that's that no matter how impossible that interruption, no matter what he promises, he can do it. I mean, that's what I've learned about some interruptions in life. Let's move on to this next question. What is your response to the Lord's interruptions? You know, when you know it's the Lord interrupting you, how do you respond to that? I'll give you four, four things to suggest. I think the very first thing you can do is just plain simple respond in faith. And to help us better understand how to respond in faith, I want us to think for a moment about another famous Bible character. His name was Abraham. And I want you to imagine the following dialogue between Abraham and God. Abraham, this is God speaking. I want you to leave everything and go to the land I will show you. Where's that? If I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Try me. It's 1,500 miles from here in a place called Canaan. Never heard of it. I know. And guess what else? What? What? I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. That's impossible. I don't have any kids. Don't worry. What do you mean, don't worry? Just trust me. Okay, let me see if I got this straight. You want me to leave everything, travel across a desert to some place I've never heard of and become the father of a great nation? That's right. Is this some kind of a joke? No. Well, what am I supposed to tell my wife? Now, that's your problem. (laughs) Now, I don't know that it happened exactly that way. But we do know that if you read Hebrews chapter 11 and you get down to verse 8, it says, By faith, by faith, Abraham when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. I like those three words, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It's kind of like leaving Chicago and moving to Texarkana. I just suggest you that we all need the heart of Abraham. We all need the heart of Mary. I mean, the first desire of the child of God who wants to enjoy the favor of God in his life is to die to himself and surrender to the will of God in his life. Literally, to be a servant. I mean, that's what Mary said. I'm the Lord's servant. Now, in some translations, it's called a bond slave. And in the original Greek language, the word is doule. It it, it means literally belonging totally to someone else. So when Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant, what she was saying is, I belong totally to you. And I give you full permission to work your will in and through me, no questions asked. Now, it's that kind of heart attitude that enabled Mary to worship the Lord in spirit and soul. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord in spirit. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, her submissiveness enabled her to get direction and to get some understanding from the Lord. Now, we too can have that same understanding. We we too can really understand God's will just the way Abraham did, just the way Mary did. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, it said, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, you came today to worship. I hope you didn't come just to church. I hope you came to worship God. Now, your spiritual form of worship is more than just singing and playing bells or or, or whatever else you do while you're in the confines of this building. Part of it is service. He goes on and says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now Paul tells us, and we're going to repeat these words a little while later in an affirmation of faith, but he says that Jesus, even though He were God, what did Jesus do? He emptied Himself. He humbled Himself taking on the form of a what? Servant. See, Christians who get the most out of what this first Christmas opened up to everybody, you know, grasp the truth of servanthood. This is going to be a broad statement, but if if you understand the first Christmas and what the first Christmas is all about, then you understand what being a servant is all about. But if you don't understand what being a servant is all about, then I would suggest to you that you don't understand what the first Christmas was all about. See, the first Christmas was God humbling himself to be like you and me. Humbled himself, what? All the way to the cross. And if we call ourselves Christians, what do we do? We follow his example. We humble ourselves and we be servants. Wherever, whenever. I mean, Christians who have the faith of Mary have changed their allegiance. Now, I know we stand and we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. That's a good thing to do as an American citizen. But Christians also change their allegiance. We looked at that in First John this morning in adult Bible class. We change our allegiance from walking in darkness to what? To walking in the light. Rather than serving the flesh, rather than serving this world, we become bond slaves to God through Jesus Christ. And I suggest that there's no greater gift of love that Christians can express to the Lord than by becoming a bond slave or a servant to the Lord and his will. Live in submission to Christ. That's all it is. Now, here's the second thing. Be willing to be used and to persevere. This is a hard one for all of us. There's one prayer that I have learned to pray over the years, and and I'm going to share this prayer with you, but I want you to know it is an extremely, extremely dangerous prayer. It goes this way. Lord, before you even ask, the answer is yes. Now think about that one for a while. Lord, before you even ask, the answer is yes. I'll give you a couple of biblical examples of some dangerous prayers, too. Remember Peter who fished all night and didn't catch anything, and Jesus, the carpenter, gives him fishing lessons, you know, throw your net, go launch out into the deep. <coughs> what, what does Peter say? Peter says, and we fished all night, we didn't catch anything. But then here comes this wonderful prayer. But because you say so, I will. That's another dangerous prayer. Because the Lord says so, I will. Or, as Mary said, may it be even as you have said. That's to be willing, you know, ready, willing, and able to be used to persevere. Here's the third thing. Rejoice in the interruptions right away. That's a hard one for us to do too. Rejoice in the interruptions right away. Now, I'd, you might say, well, why? Why? Well, it's, it's because, and it leads to number four, it's because you know that this godly interruption is all part of God's plan, God's purpose and God's plan. Many of you know Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, and 12. A wonderful verse, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. I think when we begin to be able to wrap our brains around that concept, that God only has good things in store for us and in mind for us, then when the Lord comes knocking, and he will, that we go, great, let me at it. Because I know, even though it doesn't make any sense to me, Even though it's a big interruption, it's going to cause me maybe to move my family 1,500 miles across the desert into this land I've never heard of before. Even though it may cost you to move away from your family and friends, or it may cause you a little discomfort to go spend a little time in a mission field or whatever it is, you know that somehow this is all going to be good because God is a what? Good God. I talked to a a couple of people and asked them this last week, how do you respond to interruptions? That's an interesting question. I'm sure if I started, I'd say, Jason, how do you respond to interruptions? Now, I interrupted Jason one day. I can use you as an example. I had been out doing a funeral committal, and when I stopped by, I said, oh, this is where Christian construction is, big, fancy palatial palaces. Well, this house over there, I don't even know what street it's on. I thought, well, I'm stopped," And I walked in, and I said, is the big dog here? And when he saw me, Jason's face lit up like I was Susanna. Well, not quite the same way. But he jumped right up and he was like, wow. It was like he was happy to see me. Now, you know, we we think about how God is in charge of all of our lives. Well, I ask a bunch of people, how do you respond? One person was really, really honest with me. They told me, When I'm interrupted by people, I lie. I lie a lot. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? When they say, uh, do you have a few minutes to interrupt me? I go, oh, why sure. (laughs) Oh, come on in. No trouble at all. I "I just lie through my teeth. And I said, well, how do you resolve that in your life? And they said, well, I don't. (laughs) But then again. God almost always kind of pricks my conscience when I suddenly realize I should be very thankful that somebody would actually come to see me, to find out something, to ask something, to get my opinion on something. Well, it has been said that one person told me, you know, well, God orders your steps. We should just get used to it. God orders your steps. That made me think of something. If God orders our steps... I think God also orders our stops. I mean, there are divine interruptions that God brings into our life on purpose and allows us into our lives in order to bring out the best plan that he had in mind. Now, on purpose, on purpose, God might actually delay a situation in order to protect us. On purpose, God may actually close a door because he knows that what's behind that door is not the best thing. It's a good thing, it's an okay thing, but it's not the best thing for us. I think sometimes God allows us to be momentarily inconvenienced so that we can help someone else in need. But when you live in with confidence that the creator of the universe not only orders your steps, but your stops, then you're going to know that every disappointment, every delay, every stop, every interruption is orchestrated by the Most High God and is orchestrated all for your good. Let me say it one more time. The Lord interrupted Mary's life. Mary responded in faith. Mary was willing to endure whatever came for the sake of, of the privilege of serving the Lord. Mary rejoiced at the, beginning of, at, at the very beginning of this interruption. Mary's life purpose was totally fulfilled because of this interruption. Yes, friends, God brought about the interruption. You think about it. It said at just the right time, God came into this world through Jesus. That was an interruption. God brought about this interruption for one reason and one reason only, and that was to save the world. Or maybe more pointed, God brought about this interruption to his son to save you. That's why I'm suggesting in this series, this baby changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for these interruptions in life. Even though sometimes we don't handle them very well, We need to understand that every step in life and every stop in life is orchestrated by you, our loving God, and you do it for our sake, for our own good, but most of all, you do it so that your name will be glorified. So people, as they may see how we handle it, would not praise us, but instead would praise you. So we thank you for this little baby, because truly, he changed everything. Amen.